Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome in. This is Slow Your Roll with Dominic Lorenzano and writer for the Yaki Way uh, Report, Jesse Caulfield. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's up, Jesse? And we got uh, we have plenty on tap today for you guys. The return of the savior, Chris Sale. And let's see what that means for the AL Wildcard this season, plus the debut of Mac Jones and just what that means, how many snaps he took through. 19, 20 passes, just what that means for the Pats moving forward. By the way, an entire look at the AL wild card and a deep dive on the Yankees. Jesse, me and you have touched on this throughout the last two episodes, but we're going to go all in on this, what what we really think about the Yankees right now uh, and what they did. Uh, Plus, just how bad are things in Dallas right now for uh, for we dem boys down there in Texas because it's not looking good with Dak getting a second MRI. Plus, we'll hand out our Darwin Award also, and we'll go back and you know we we roasted uh, the Guardians pretty good last week, so we got to come up with some of our names ourselves, put our money where my uh, our mouths are a little bit. And a special guest on today, Tim Uncher, who. Uh, you know, for anyone who's low, you know tapped into local sports, pitched for uh, Danvers High School a few years ago, and he's done some things since then over at college and still playing baseball today. So he'll be in to talk about Chris Sale and, and that, and it'll be good to hear that from the side of somebody who pitches. But first, before we get into that, let's, let's switch gears here. Let's start with a little bit of basketball. The Los Angeles Lakers, whoo-hoo, there is a stench coming from the Staples Center, and that, that stench is called desperation, because that's exactly what this team did right here, bringing in old guys and Russell Westbrook, who's never really won anything, can't barely make it out of the second round of the playoffs, and this what happens with franchises like this. The pressure of not only winning, but the pressure of being relevant uh, makes you do some dumb things sometimes, and the Yankees went through this back in the 2015, 2014, 2016 season. They kept bringing in old guys. Let's extend CC Sabathia, Brian McCann, Mark Teixeira. Oh my goodness, A-Rod's coming back. I'm sure he can provide something. And it never works out. And these franchises, when you have all this money and you're a big brand, everyone thinks it's all great, but you have to toe this line between what is good for basketball and winning games or baseball or football and how do we stay relevant and so many big brands fall into this trap the Lakers are falling into it right now it's pretty obvious that uh, over there in the Staples Center in Los Angeles the brand has become a much bigger than the actual product and even since LeBron got there I mean we're gonna bring in some pieces and think that maybe LeBron is once again going to be Mr. Superman and do everything. And that's just not really realistic. At 37 years of age, LeBron played in just 55 games in 2018, played in only 45 games last season. And yes, he won a title, but the Lakers got a very nice gift with that because AD can't stay healthy and LeBron is older and he can't stay completely healthy all the time, which is understandable when you're 37 years of age and playing basketball. But they got a break with the COVID season. They got about three months off, and that's why Anthony Davis was perfectly healthy going into the playoffs, and that's why they were able to run the table and win a championship. And that's probably not going to happen again. And you'll be stuck in this place now where LeBron's not even going to be 100% or always on the floor. AD is like 28 years old. He might as well be 34. That he, he can't stay healthy at all. And now we're bringing in Dwight Howard and Russell Westbrook, all guys over well over the age of 30. The average age of this roster is 33 years old and the NBA if you noticed it's seeming to become almost in the playoffs a little bit of a war of attrition not even just talent 
Kawhi can thank his championship to the war of attrition. Golden State absolutely fell apart physically. And uh, Giannis and the Bucks are a nice story and all that. But if Brooklyn, if the Nets don't fall apart, does uh, do the Bucks even get to that position? I'm not quite sure if they do. So it's not even just about talent anymore in the NBA. It's about that war of attrition and the Lakers can't win that war at all. And uh, as I said, you know, the brand name, I mean, this team from the pressure of staying relevant from 2013 to 2018, they went 163 and 329 losses, no playoff appearances. So this team is desperate to try and stay relevant. They're a mess upstairs. The Magic Johnson exit after he was the GM, terrible tenure. Let's bring in, let's draft Lonzo Ball to fight, despite how loud his father is and all the crap that comes with that. He'll save the franchise, no doubt about it. And it never works out. And as I said, you know, they get to be relevant right now with LeBron here. But this is also the other thing. Not only do you have the pressure of the brand, LeBron James brings his own pressure. And he destroyed the Cleveland Cavaliers after their championship because he doesn't like to play with younger players. And he wants to play GM. And they bring in J.R. Smith and all these other guys. And that didn't work out. And then LeBron decides to bolt. And the Cavaliers are left with an absolute mess. And they're, they're, the Cleveland Cavaliers are not digging themselves out of that pit for a while. And I suspect the Lakers might be headed towards the, uh, the same fate. Because I just don't see this team uh, being able to do things. Jesse, I know you don't follow the NBA a ton, so I can take it over to you if, uh, if you have anything to add to this rant. We do have a little NBA segment later today. We do. A, a little bit. Uh, I mean, I do like how we made this segment to start off with like a fiery argument. And so far, we haven't done that at all. No, we I just know. keep agreeing with each other. No, no, no. We had a fiery argument at the first show about the Sox. I, I mean, sort of. Yeah, you didn't You didn't agree. Cause there you were, there you, was middle ground, though. You, you were fine with them doing nothing. And I said, this team is good enough to at least make the playoffs. Let's make the playoffs and see what happens after that. But this is the Lakers. No, I know. So, uh, but no, I, I, to be honest, I don't really have much to add. Uh, I kind of just like watching them flounder and try and try and try so they can end up like the Red Wings in a couple years where they're just washed up old men and nowhere to go. I mean, listen, as, a, as someone from Boston, it's not like I'm sad about this, but I'm just calling a spade a spade here. Listen, if the Lakers want to continue to do this kind of stuff, I'm all about it. I let's let's make the lakers irrelevant again that's fine that's fine with me i'm just saying this is how it is make the lakers irrelevant again. <laughs> yeah really where's yeah. that at I, I know right <laughs> but um but absolutely but like fans are so delusional about this like i see a lot of nba pundits i mean most kind of realize what's going on but plenty think it's okay and then oh my gosh laker fans i didn't realize laker fans were like as obnoxious as like yankee fans they're from california <laughs> <laughs> and also, like with the all like the experts and pundits, I mean they they just want the Lakers. It's like the Yankees; they just want the Yankees to at least compete every year to sell mm. to sell the league because they sell. They're a team that sells. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's crazy though. I can't understand how people honestly can the fans can sit there and think that this is going to work out. It's amazing to me. And, and oh my gosh, we got Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook played with James Harden twice and KD. KD couldn't get out of there fast enough. He had all that talent, and Russell Westbrook can barely make it past the second round of the playoffs. And now he's 33 in a league that's only getting younger and more athletic and more about shooting, and Russell Westbrook can't shoot. I mean, he just gave the ball, the ball to LeBron. He loves the ball. Yeah, he played 45 games last year. You just get assists, assists, assists. Uh, listen. <laughs> 
Don't talk about how old he is. He gets upset, LeBron. <laughs> yeah, that tweet. Yeah. <laughs> you all right, you saw the tweet too that he deleted. Yeah. Oh, dude. I, that was a as much as I thing. don't want to see the things LeBron tweets and talks about, ESPN makes me. No, I know. ESPN is just like up his ass all the time. All right. I think that's enough with that. All right, Jesse, I'm going to turn it over to you for rapid news. Yay. It's time for rapid fire news. All right. So my first piece of news, big news for the Red Sox over the weekend. Uh, Christopher Allen Sale pitched for the first time in 732 days against the Baltimore Orioles. He got the dub. Uh, also in Red Sox news, remember Travis Shaw? Remember him? Remember that guy? Yeah, uh, I do remember he, Travis he, Shaw. He was claimed off waivers for Milwaukee uh, yesterday. So we have someone that could possibly play first base. But what if Schwarber can't do it? Win Schwarber can't do it. Uh, speaking of him, he played. He played two games this weekend. Yes. He got two doubles. He got two walks. Um, he played DH. Speaking of the Red Sox, uh, they went 4-2 and two this week. An uptick against the Rays in Baltimore with the sweep of Baltimore. Thank God for the Orioles. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank God for Baltimore. That is exactly what we needed at this time. Uh, speaking of baseball... There was a big game. The Field of Dreams game happened this weekend. Mm-hmm. The Whites, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, the White Sox beat the Yankees 9-8 to in a thrilling game. Speaking of baseball, it's all baseball news, it seems. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, there was a, another no-hitter this week. I believe the eighth, if you don't count the seven-inning games, Tyler Gilbert in his very first MLB start for the Diamondbacks. So that's the height of the season for the Diamondbacks so far. Uh, also, no it, comment. <laughs> In Little League World Series news, that's going on. Uh, New England will be represented by New Hampshire and Connecticut this year, uh, as it is only United States competing this season. Uh, and yes, Patriots news, uh, they had their first preseason game against the football team. They won 22-13. to And you know what? I'm going to drop some tennis news to round it out. Uh, All right. Roger Federer... Announced he's dropping out of the U.S. Open because he's getting another knee surgery and he's out for quote unquote many months. Ah. So the face of tennis is out right now. Oh no! The and that's been rapid fire news. Rapid fire news. So just before we uh, bring on our guests, I just want to mention I got this piece of information that the uh, the Beverly Salem uh, American Legion baseball team is out in uh, Dubuque, Iowa right now, and you know there's a number of uh, people on that team who. Played for the Beverly High School, Brennan Frost, Eric DiPiero, uh, Logan Petrosino, Nick Fox, and Noah, uh, I'm going to mess up his last name, Guanchi. <laughs> but uh, so shout out to them because they've been winning a lot of games. I know I know. Uh, I heard some reports they were down uh, a little bit today, which is not good. But, but props to them because they've made it very far. And uh, that has been the last segment for Rapid Fire News. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to our guest, special guest in studio today, Tim Unsher. He's a two-time NEC All-Star for Danvers High. Played at Colby Sawyer College, and he was uh, he made the All Great Northeast Athletic uh, Conference, uh, where he pitched there at Colby Sawyer, and now playing on the North Shore Baseball League for the Manchester Marlins. Tim Muncher, thank you very much for coming in studio. Tom, Jesse, thanks for having me today. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I just wanted to come in, uh, chat with you guys a little bit about the Red Sox, and kind of give my take on them. Yeah. So. You know, we had the the savior, Chris Sale, 
returned, hopefully to save this Red Sox season for them. And and before we get into even more talk about that, I know you you made that joke with me. You sat there on your couch, watched the whole thing with a with a six pack ready to go. So what did you think as a, as a pitcher too? Well, what did, how do you think he looked? Um, I thought uh, Chris looked really really well, um, especially in his first start in over seven hundred days. Um, the most important thing for me was was the command, and I thought it was there for most of the game. Um, he had a few pitches that, especially the off speed, that missed up and outside, um, especially that arm side delivery. But um, ultimately, I thought it was pretty pretty impressive considering the um, the amount he's been through in the last the last two years, not having to start, um, having to go through that tenuous rehab, um, especially in a shortened season where. Um, anything could happen. He's. I know he spent a lot of time in Florida, uh, especially rehab with the team doctors and team um, team trainers down there. But he looked pretty dominant mm. um, considering the the injury he went through. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I thought he looked pretty good. Jesse, you watched the game as well, right? I, I did. And I, to be honest, uh, even more than like his final line, which was pretty good: five innings, eight strikeouts, two in runs, no walks, and only eighty nine pitches. I was more concerned like how did he physically look on the mound. Um, and like, how does he feel yesterday and today? We've heard nothing about how he feels, so that's a good sign. I mean, he was consistent with his, pretty consistent with his velocity, a little down from like before his injury. Uh, but he was pretty much 92 to 94. He touched 96 a couple times. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gave up two home runs, but to be honest, like I, that didn't bother me at all because that's vintage sale. He was good for at least like a home run a game. So. Oh. Also, I, that didn't bother me. Also, they, they had a big lead, which changes how you pitch. And at that point, I mean, what I think one of the guys he was a, he was one on, and then poured one strike in. But it's like when you're up seven and there's two outs in an inning, you you really don't want to walk a guy. So I think part of that too, the two solo sure. home runs, it's being able to pitch more aggressively with such a big lead. And I mean. Chris is a competitor. He knows he wanted to go five innings to get the win, but he also knew he was on a pitch count. So you gotta you gotta speed things along and let some guys put some ball in play sometimes. But I think he gave up six hits in his outing. By the way, I think he gave up like two infield hits though, or two of them too. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Really, the only two really solid balls I thought I hit off him were those two solo home runs. Yeah, I mean, so, other than a little bit of loss on velocity, he looked exactly like I remember Chris Sale looking. Mm. There was a lot of movement on his pitches. Uh, he was placing them very well, painting corners and stuff like that. He, he looked like himself, and yeah. I loved it. Yeah, and, and you know, to touch on the velocity thing, I'm going to turn it back over here to Tim Yu. So, not even thinking about the Tommy John or that injury, but how long does it take you? First off, how long? How much do you throw in the off season? You think? Uh, I throw probably relatively close to two or three times a week during the off season um, for six to eight weeks leading up to that that first game. Okay, six to eight weeks, two times a week. Yep. I don't even know if Chris was. I mean, and, and how how rigorous is this throwing though? Is this catch or is this a um, lot of this like I'm going through the windup? Yeah, this is usually those two two of the three times a week. I'd say is a is a pretty. Um, game-like scenario with a with a full bullpen of anywhere from 30 to 60 pitches. That third time thrown a week um, usually consists of some long toss, so relatively light, but working on creating some arm strength um, and even building up some stamina during that as well. So fairly rigorous two times a week, and one day a week is relatively light. Okay. And so after all that, then you get into the season, you have your outings. How many outings do you think it takes once you're into the season before you feel 100% loose? Uh, for myself, especially in a shortened season where um, we only get probably like 10 or 12 outings um, 
in a 24 game span maybe um it usually takes me two or three um looking at the major league guys they're pretty comfortable usually after one or two as well but they have a, a little more opportunity as they have plenty more appearances to have throughout the year so um especially for us guys that play collegiate level or even um, amateur level baseball in our spare time, we try and speed that process up a little bit because you only have so many appearances and you want to be effective during your time. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes total sense. Do you think, I mean, we said, I mean, you didn't look clunky mechanically, you looked fine, blah, blah, blah. Do you think consistent velocity will be probably one of the last things that completely comes back? Yeah, I think that that velocity comes a little bit um, with just confidence and even fear a little bit of that re-entering that arm. Um, Although he has been taking care of his arm for the last 700 days and he's been listening to team doctors, team trainers, um, there always is in the back of your mind as a a pitcher, what if I injure that elbow again? What if I injure it for the first time? So um, having that in the back of your mind is definitely going to, impact his velocity and how hard he's going to throw not saying that he doesn't have that 96 to 98 still in him because i'm sure he does but he definitely probably wanted to be a little cautious especially that first start out yeah that makes sense and, and also you need to make sure that your control and mechanics are completely set before you start really you know absolutely going way back there and trying to get that extra two or three miles an hour on the fastball so that makes sense perfect sense as well um, Tim, did you ever? Did you ever actually? I, I mean, I meant to ask you this before we went on. Did you ever go through any like arm issues before or injuries? Yeah, uh, I've dealt with pretty consistent arm pain, as a lot of baseball players do, for relatively most of their like older adult career. Um, for me, it was more of like um, a bicep elbow pain, um, starting mostly my freshman year of college, um, but it it flares up and it cools down just kind of depending on usage. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Was it anything that ever you had to like, maybe in your next outing psychologically, just kind of like really be trying to figure out just where your arm was at or any time that you were worried about letting it loose for fear of potentially aggravating the issue? Yeah. A lot of days it would be dependent on kind of how I would feel day of start or day of appearance. Um, especially coming into like a bullpen appearance type this year. Um, a day or two after having a start, um, I knew that my arm would be a little more tender than on the day that I would actually have a start. So I would really have to emphasize using those legs and, and driving towards the pitcher's mound rather than allowing my arm to kind of do most of the work. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. So, what do you think are sort of realistic expectations for what Chris Sale can do for this team now down the stretch? I, I think Chris Sale is going to step in and be the leader that we all expect him to be. Um, not only is he a really efficient pitcher, but he's a big clubhouse presence for these guys. Um, having him on the field brings out a lot of confidence in these guys. So it's going to um, kind of force the Red Sox to really drive home their own destiny. Um, I think that when he's on the mound, guys want to put up runs behind him because they know he's going to give out a good performance every single time he steps onto that field. So um, I expect a lot of uh, positive things to come from Chris Sale for the next a uh, couple weeks here, especially going into that playoff push. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully he just continues the dominance right where he left off before he hurt his arm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned the spark of energy too, because I mean, Jesse, I don't know, were you working during it or how closely could you watch the game? Because you could feel it from Fenway and stuff, the energy being back, you could see it in the dugout. And that means a lot when you have such a long, you know, 
season, 162 games, and things aren't going well the past couple of weeks. You've find yourselves, you know, you've led the vision most of the way, and now you're out of it, and you're continuing to play bad baseball. I feel like beyond just the innings he can throw and how effective he could be, that spark of energy meant a lot. Could you feel it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was at work. I actually had a busy Saturday, so I couldn't watch it maybe as much as I hoped. Um, but I did get to see at least uh, the first couple innings. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could, even though I didn't have audio, you could absolutely tell that the crowd was fired up. It was a pretty packed house. Uh, every time he finished an inning, they were giving him a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. Um, every single strikeout, anytime he got two strikes, uh, you could see they were standing up, clapping, getting ready to get another punch out. And, like, yeah, I mean, players can't help but feed off that. You mm. can't help but, um, yeah, run a little faster, play a little harder. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we mentioned that last week when we were talking about, like, what could Sale bring to this team. Uh, yeah, like, we saw in the World Series, even when he wasn't pitching, how much he was fired up, yelling at people, telling him, like, all right, we got to do this, guys. So he is much more than just an ace when mm. he's with this team. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, Tim, you know... I'm sure you've been on staffs before where the where the where the pitching might have been struggling or anything like that. And, you know, there's a couple of guys who are who are really holding everything down, but that means that they're taxing their bodies more. They're putting more innings on. What psychologically do you think that could do when when you know that you're bringing another guy back, a big name guy, that ace of the staff, to help an ailing staff like that? Oh, that does a lot to you psychologically, especially as a pitcher on that staff. Um, not only does it psychologically take a little bit of a workload off you because you have one extra guy to kind of come in and know that they're going to be able to do their job but it allows you to go out in your next start and really kind of give your all um especially towards the end of the season where it's you've been through the dog days here and you're kind of struggling to find your stride it allows you to go out and give you that confidence to really throw hard with good command and and kind of dominate the game Mm. Absolutely. And uh, I know we talked about it on the Pharaoh Foul segment last week, you know, whether we thought that it was officially panic time, you know, I think we put the segment in the little hot take was, you know, the, the Sox are going to miss the playoffs. I know when I saw you last week, you said you were you were hitting the panic button a little bit right now with Boston. Do you, are you reeling things back a little bit? Do you think there's enough in the tank here now for the Sox that they can hold on to that wild card spot? You know, this is a big week for the Sox. Um, obviously, we got two or three games against the Yankees this week and then uh, followed up by a series against the Rangers. So I, I personally think the Sox need to have at least a 500, um, oh, 500 week to continue on this this trend or even better, um, the better off they play, obviously, the, the better the, that playoff opportunity looks. Um, but I definitely, I'm rearing back a little bit on my panic button statement to you last okay, week, okay. but um, <laughs> there is still some worry there. Oh, yeah. Less panic, more concern. Than- <laughs> yes, concern is the, the word that I would use there, yeah. <laughs> All right. we Before we're going to get into it, we're going to get a little deeper dive talking about the Yankees because we've touched on this. And, I mean, obviously, you're a Red Sox fan. You're from here. You know, yep. we, we all have to follow the Yankees a little bit, even though we don't like them. We're going to take a quick break here, though, and then we're going to get back into it, talk about the rest of the AL wildcard, some of the other teams, and uh, the Yankees specifically. So, quick break, guys. And we'll be back with Tim Muncher after that.
right, and we are back with Tim Muncher still here, and we'll dive in here to the rest of the AL wildcard, and specifically right now the New York Yankees. I'm going to go around the table real quick, and then we'll dive deeper after that, but I don't feel the Yankees are built to last. Jesse, I don't know what your feelings are on this. They're playing good baseball right now. They're 7-3 and three in the last 10 games. They played very well out of the break. Anthony Rizzo is on the COVID list right now, though he will be back probably soon, and you know some of the offenses has gotten that that kick in the butt. Lucas Gill and uh, Cortez, two kids called up, have pitched well so far since their call up to help the staff. But are you buying? No. (laughs) Okay. No, I think they're just hot right now. There's too many. I mean, I don't I just, I don't think they're going to catch the Red Sox in Oakland. I just really don't think they are. Mm. And even if they do, I don't see them. In a one-game playoff, I don't see it going well for them. No. I mean, they don't have that. I mean, they got Cole, though. They might be on a one-game playoff. They, they don't just, have him right now. True. I think he's also on the COVID list. He is. He is. But he'll be back eventually. Oh, no, no, no. Isn't he pitching? Uh, he's he's yeah. pitching this week. I think he's going to be uh, reactivated in a couple of days. He's supposed to be reactivated for today's uh, game against the Angels. Okay. But, I mean, past Cole in a playoff series, there's just not a lot of arms that you feel all that confident about. Do you feel Jordan? You really feel confident in game two having Jordan Montgomery pitch against uh, the Red Sox or the White Sox or the Astros or even the A's? Because I don't at all. But I also think that this offense is, is flawed in the same way that the Yankees' offenses have been flawed now for the past, like, five years. They rely way too much on the home run ball, which doesn't – it looks great in the regular season – when you face a lot of average, but come playoff time, it usually dries up a little bit. But Tim, I'm going to turn it over for you, to you here on uh, your opinions here on the Yankees right now. Yeah, no, I kind of agree with you. Um, I, I think that Yankees team's going to fall apart here in, in the coming days and weeks. Um, you and I uh, talk about this all the time, but mm. that pitching staff is absolutely horrendous after Cole. Like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely horrendous. Yeah. yeah. It's... <clears throat> It's tough to win games, especially playoff games, with no quality pitching. Mm So um, I'm kind of predicting that the Yankees are going to slowly fall apart here. Um, The Sox and A's will start to grow a little bit of um, a lead in the wild card over them. Mm -hmm. But uh, looking forward to that. Um, Just don't see them kind of climbing out of that that little hole there. And and even if they do make it, do you agree with me on my theory there that... There are, this offense is flawed. Oh, absolutely. Um, like you guys talked about with the Lakers earlier on the show, um, the Yankees are a team in the MLB that looks to sell tickets. Yes. They, they hit the home run ball all year long so they can sell, sell tickets in the dog days of summer, July, August. But right now, that as we've all watched in playoff baseball for the last few years, the long ball might provide a little bit of late-inning heroics, but it doesn't do the job early on in the game and even throughout the series. Like, you need to have guys who hit for average, can hit the ball in the gap, can move guys over, drive guys in, have a productive at-bat versus Mm. guys that are going to go up and swing it absolute garbage and try and hit it out of the fence. Yeah, absolutely. The pitching gets too good for that. And here's the other thing that always comes to my mind. You watch so many times weird errors and, like, just absolute meltdowns in the playoffs that seem very uncommon. Playoff baseball is different. The pressure is different. And you need to be able to put the ball in play and put pressure on the other team to make plays. Because you feel it. it. It really is different. It's different in the air being out of game. It's different even watching on TV. And you can see in some of the players' faces. Well, not only that, but like they're not yet good in the field either behind all the pitching. No. So when it, in little things like get, 
little short series, an error can mean everything. And you have Gary, you're probably going to go with Gary Sanchez behind the plate if he's healthy for the playoffs, and he's an adventure. <laughs> to say the least, uh, if Gleyber Torres is healthy, um, he's going to probably be your shortstop, and he's not a good one at all. Mm. So, yeah, they have a lot of holes. I mean, I'm saying their defense right now, they are playing well despite having a bunch of guys that are injured and on the COVID list, like Gary Sanchez, Torres, Rizzo, Aaron Does Sanchez Hicks. being out of the lineup help them, though? I would say de- it I definitely would de- helps defensively. I mean, he can still gets give them some instant offense. That's his he can only upside but, right now. But if I have second and third and one out in a one run game, I don't want Gary Sanchez being the one coming well, to the plate. Well, no, but like uh, even with like they're losing a lot of pitches too, like Clorber, Kluber, Severino's out. Like uh, just on paper, they are torched, and like on paper they sound really good with names like that. Um, so that, that, that's just my little defense of them right now. It's like, hey, they're playing good despite on paper. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I get you. But you know, the names and all that, to me, it comes back to it. They're not, they're not the Lakers. They're, still, they're a very competent franchise. It's not quite the same. But the brand is starting to get a little bit bigger than, than the actual product, in my mind. They've always been that team, though, to, even when like, the old and aging players, like, I'm going to buy that name. Like, you were a name. That'll sell. Like, I mean, they did it with Chapman. I mean, he was better when they got him buddy they kind of ruined him i feel well didn't they give him i think i think they also gave him an extension yes they after did. they got him yeah so getting him originally might not have been bad but i don't know if extending him was maybe the greatest decision in the world but here's the other thing i have with the yankees even if they make the playoffs this year when they were really i don't want to say really bad because joe girardi somehow had that team still winning like 82 or 83 games in like 2014 2015 you know when they were they were trailing out Mark Teixeira and Brian McCann and A-Rod at one point, and you were just like, how is this team even win a game? Because all the whole lineup was just card-carrying members of the AARP. Well, that's what it is. We said, look, with just selling tickets. But, but eventually, Teixeira will sell tickets. Yes, but eventually when they moved on from that, they actually got a very good haul of prospects that we all thought were going to be really good. But now I feel we're reaching a time. Glaber Torres has been mediocre this year he was mediocre all of last year i say he's been bad this year to be honest he might have even been i'm trying to be nicer i'm trying not to be too hot take <laughs> kind of here irrelevant. Uh, he really has been he's become kind of irrelevant in that lineup and duhar i don't even think he's with the team anymore he might be back down in triple a uh, i believe you're correct yeah so and duhar is not there anymore severino looks like he may never pitch again and domingo herman is kind of average most of the time (laughs) but he's also average he's also i mean the thing is the area was like mid fours he might be i don't i think he's on the dl so all these kids now that you got in like 2016 for the trades it's starting to look like a lot of them aren't going to pan out and now you actually need a farm system and they blew the a lot of the farm system to go get joey gallo and anthony rizzo so i also think apart from just this year Long term, I, I think the Yankees have done some damage to themselves. Yeah, for a team that really wasn't in contention um, going into the trade deadline here, uh, they blew a lot on guys that are very short term for them. Um, sold out that farm system pretty quick to get two guys that can hit a towering fly ball in any other ballpark besides Yankee Stadium. Uh, I mean, Joey Gallo and, and Rizzo, both those left-handed swingers, 
they do damage at Yankee Stadium. But that's like a Little League park, <laughs> as we all know. Yeah, at least to that side, yeah. I mean, all Joey Gallo's home runs are like 400-plus feet. It's kind of useless to have him with that short fence because he's never going to use it. <laughs> right, he hits it into the upper deck every single yeah. time. I mean, his first home run, he completely missed the ball, and it still got out. Like, <laughs> he hits a weak fly ball and somehow manages to get out of Yankee Stadium. Like, if that's not screaming desperation for the Yankees, I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. All right, so... Let's do a quick little roundup. So if we don't think it's the Yankees that can, if we think the Yankees are going to fade, who else do you think in the AL wild card is problematic for the Red Sox? I think we probably have the same name, but but I'll go to, to you guys. Tim, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the Blue Jays. Um, I think that Toronto, since the All-Star break, has been playing hot up till this past week. They've been scorching. Um but as you and I talk about all the time, they kind of dug themselves into a little bit of a hole at the beginning of the year. Um, will they have enough um, time left to get themselves into a potential wild card spot? Maybe, but it's going to take some major stars to align here for them to kind of stumble their way into that into that last spot. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and you know, what? Uh, Jesse. I'm going to turn it over to you on that one. Do you think the Blue Jays are a big threat, or do you think it's kind of becoming just a two-horse race with the A's and the Red Sox? I mean, I consider the Blue Jays mostly a threat simply because they seem to be such a bad matchup, even before the deadline, with the Red Sox. They just had our number, it seemed. Um, but also, I mean, they were good right after the deadline, but the past two series, they split the series with the Angels, um, a team that's desperately trying to stay relevant in this race. Um and they just lost the series to Seattle, hmm. uh, another team that's still trying for the wild card. Um, I think they sit at about four. No, no, no. I think Seattle may be five back right now. They're five and a half. Oh, five and a half. Okay. Um, Blue Jays are four and a half. Yes. Uh, so they might. They're the team I think is the biggest threat to the Red Sox in Oakland right now. But I still think they'll get eaten alive by the competitiveness of the wild card right now. I just don't think. I think it's. They dug too much of a hole, like we said, and at this point, it's just too much to get out of, especially with how competitive these teams are for the wild card. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think I think we kind of in agreement on that, and we just got to hope that that some of these teams fall off. But if the Sox do badly fall off, even with the thing, I I do believe the Blue Jays are probably the team that is that is there, um, that can can make up that ground and take that second wild card spot. Do you think the Sox can beat out the A's though? For the first, I mean, I think they're still tied right now. But do you think the A's have enough in the tank? And, and you know, we've talked about slowing down on the panic button. But I, I'll be honest, right, right up front, I do think the Sox are getting the second wild card spot. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Um, I don't think the Sox really have what it takes to beat the A's right now into that first wild card spot. Um, will that be a very competitive wild card game? Yes. Oh yeah. That'll be a great game, but I don't, I don't see the Sox overtake them for that first wild card spot. Okay. How about you? Because I think you've been a little more critical of the A's. Yeah, so I'm wondering. I, mean, I think they could. They're currently tied right now in the standings. Uh, I think actually, Oakland does have two games in hand on them. I think Red Sox have one more win and one more loss. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I mean, I said last week that this, if you got the Red Sox, this is the perfect time mm. to trip and fall. Mm. Uh, get it out of your system. Um, and then you know try to fix it in September. Um, so I think I think they could really take that top spot. Will, huh? they, uh, will they do it convincingly? No, I don't think so. I think they'll be competitive down the stretch. Mm. Um, but if they can 
shake the judges out that they've had the past few weeks, especially with Sale coming back. Mm. Yeah, I think they'll the favorite to take first place in the wild card. All right. Sounds good. So it sounds like with the return of uh, the Savior, we're all we're all slowing down a little bit. We're slowing our roll on the panic just a little bit. That's the name of the show. Yeah, I know. See what I did there? <laughs> no. Well, you're not paying attention well enough, Jesse. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to be moving on to our next number. Before we do that, I want to thank... Uh, Tim for coming in studio. That was that was awesome having somebody in here who's also pitched and, and can give us the, uh, you know the 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 perspective of someone who's also played this game before. Because it doesn't matter what level you're playing at, you're still on a mound doing the same thing, trying to beam that white ball over that over that home plate while, while another guy's trying to hit it as far as he can off of you. And the mechanics stay the same. So it's good to have that perspective. Thank you very much, Tim Muncher, for coming in studio. Jesse Down, thanks again for having me. It was a real pleasure. No problem. All right, we'll take a quick break here, and we'll get back into Field of Dreams. Pats, we'll talk about We Dem Boys, the Cowboys, another brand that uh, the brand's bigger than the name. I feel like there's a theme to this show today. I did not plan on that, but that's just kind of how things turned out. All right, one sec, guys. This is Slow Your Roll, and I want to think of big thanks to Tim Unsher for coming in studio. Awesome to have somebody local play in the game, too, also coming in to talk sports with us. So that was awesome. Jesse, now I'm going to turn it over to you for a little bit of the last part, maybe, of our baseball talk uh, for this episode. Uh, turn it over to you for the Field of Dreams, the first professional baseball game played in Iowa. Yes. Uh, Dom, I have a question for you. Yes. Is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. <laughs> Uh, so the Major League Baseball, they decided to take Shoeless Joe Jackson's advice Thursday night and throw the World Series for gambling with the mob. Oh, sorry, I mean uh, that if you build it, he will come. Uh, and oh, did people come. About 8,000 spectators paying an average of $1,400 a ticket and about 5.9 million spectators watching on Fox Networks, the highest rated regular season baseball game in 16 years. How many people made fun of this idea when it was first announced? You're gonna play a game in Iowa? The only thing we had in common with people from Iowa is that they are from Iowa and I had once heard of Iowa. But the gods, the baseball gods said, nay, this will be a great day for baseball. Nine innings and maybe a few juice balls later? Maybe, I don't know. But the game was tremendous. Dare I say, one for the ages in terms of regular season games. A show, a spectacle, a game so good people wouldn't leave until security said, I'm going to beat you with a crowbar until you leave. Anyway, a game so good, so successful, the MLB said, we are keeping this field. (laughs) And that's my little shtick about the Field of Dreams. I want you to know, Dom, that was packed full of quotes from the movie Field of Dreams. (laughs) Here's my defense on that, though. You and your juiced balls theories on that. It's also just a small field. No, it was. And also, like, you know, it's an event. 
so that's why I think they juice the balls. Like okay. people, people that don't really watch baseball might watch that game and see a bunch of home runs and be like, maybe I'll get into this. Maybe I also just think of it as a small field, though. I don't <laughs> care if they juice the balls. Thank if they did, good. <laughs> just for that game, sure. Just for just just for that one. I, I don't want it all season. That, right. that I mean, was there was that got a little ridiculous a, a couple of years ago. There was seven home runs. Yes. Eight home runs. Yeah, including were. a walk off. Yeah, that was electric. And the nine eight win. Yes, I think a lot of those home runs though, they weren't that deep, and that's why I'm saying no. They look deep with the corn. They look deep with the corn, but they weren't that deep, especially considering the dimensions of that stadium are no, tiny. John Carlo, like, was a wall scraper. Exactly. That's 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 not a home run in almost any other major league park. Um, it was exciting. It was exciting. I'm just I'm defending the juice balls thing. I don't think <laughs> I don't think the balls were juiced. But I can't can... <laughs> I can't confirm. There's no report if they're juiced. It's just like you know there was a lot of home runs in a year that home runs are down again. Yeah. Uh, this is coming from someone who's the biggest baseball purist in the world, who doesn't want to overdo all the pageantry and, you know, like what the NBA sometimes does in football and stuff. But baseball kind of needed something like this. Oh, absolutely. Just just lighten up for once, one time over the year and, and do something big and a spectacle and over the top and, and a little ridiculous. But a little, a little too much Kevin Costner and some oddities when they came out of the corn in the beginning. Could yeah. have got him without that, but hey. <laughs> People seem to like that, though. I, you know what? The players coming out of the corn was kind of nice and fun, but I didn't need Kevin Costner looking around at nothing for three minutes before it happened. I also didn't need him in the booth just spewing off about Hollywood life. Oh, yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't actually hear a lot of the, uh, the actual commentating. I just watched the game. Because I was working. Yeah, no, listen. I was being a responsible worker. I'm also not sitting a, there and watching I'm, the game. <laughs> I'm not a Joe Buck in. Oh, who, who's the other one? John Smoltz. John Smoltz. I don't care about their. You don't like John Smoltz? I like him as a player. Oh, I thought he's a. I think he's a pretty good analyst. I think I do think sometimes on those bigger broadcasts they have the guys talk a little bit more than they need to though. Really? Because actually, I feel like for that broadcast they weren't talking that much. They were just oh. taking it in. Oh. Maybe they were. I just mean in general, like sometimes on Sunday night uh, baseball, they they talk too much. Mm. But anyway, so that that was your I, thing on the field I, of dreams. I do want. I want to leave us with a quote though. Okay. About this. All right. Uh, from the movie, uh, by James Earl Jones' character, uh, the one constant through all the years has been baseball. Mm. America has rolled by like an like an army of steamrollers, and it's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past. It reminds us of all that once was good and that could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. The reason I wanted to put that in there, because I think it's true. Mm, Things yeah. have changed, but baseball, I mean, baseball has changed in, in different ways, but, like, <laughs> it's been a constant. It's always been there with us, and it'll always be there for us. Aw. How can you not get emotional about baseball? Also, I've never actually seen the movie. Isn't that another quote? Isn't that Moneyball? What? How can you not? How can you not get emotional about baseball or something? I think it's how can you not feel romantic about uh, baseball. romantic? Thank you. Oh, I messed up the quote. All right, the other dreams talk. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for those lovely words. Let's do it again next year. Uh, hell yeah! Probably with different teams though. I think the White Sox will come back. They might because they won. That makes sense. Well, and also like I think they're the heavy team in the movie. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, White Sox. Maybe, maybe they'll play the Red Sox. The Battle of the Sox. Yeah, the Battle of the Sox. 
All right. So moving on from baseball now, Pat's preseason. The Patriots taking down the Washington football team 22-13. to But the big thing, no one really cares about the score that much in preseason games. Mac Jones getting plenty of snaps. He was 13 of 19 for 87 yards. Uh, no touchdowns, no picks. And, yeah, that's, you know, people here in New England, they really don't like Cam Newton. They really don't. Most people I talk to really do not like Cam Newton, and they're all just chomping at the bit. I love his fashion style. <laughs> to have Mac Jones play, and everyone thought he was amazing. I Let's relax. I, I think we all need to, again, this is why this show was called this. We all got to slow our roll here again. That's two. That's, that's two. two. That's two. <laughs> two name drops. Yeah, no, we all got a slower roll on this one. 13 of 19. I'm glad that he didn't look overwhelmed. I was worried that after playing at Alabama, you know, the semi-pro team, playing against a bunch of bums all the time. Because, I mean, let's be honest, Bama steps on the field and the other team is hopelessly out uh, outmatched in about 90% of their matchups. Texas knows barely even matters. So I'm glad to see that Mac wasn't completely overwhelmed when he actually faced real competition. So I... It was a win for Mac Jones. It was a win for the Patriots on that. And dare I say, I'm going to have to take a back seat a little bit on a lot of the Mac hate because I didn't love the pick. Uh, I don't love him as an NFL prospect. But also, let's all calm down, guys. Let's calm down. That was a lot of short stuff. Don't you think, Jesse? Oh, yeah. A lot of little, like, dumb passes and just short passes. I mean, like, we saw that a lot when Tom Brady was here. Maybe with Mac Jones, they'll go back to that old school offense they had with Brady. Um Hmm. But yeah, I mean, he did it. He did those dumb passes pretty well. He did those short little passes decently well. Mm. And I also, like, I mean, I saw, like, Cam Newton throwing a little little low there again, but, like, I didn't hate what I saw from him. Yeah, I didn't have him play a lot, which, by the way, brings me to another thing. Do you make anything of all the snaps and uh, just reps that Mac Jones got in that game? Well, did you see that tweet by Cam Newton? No. He made a tweet about, like, loyalty and stuff like that. Because with with all the snaps Mac Jones got as opposed to Cam Newton, everyone is immediately saying, well, this job is Mac Newton's. Or Mac Newton's? What did I say? <laughs> uh, Mac Jones to lose at this point, which I disagree with. If you uh, remember when you. Brady was here, he wouldn't play like the first two preseason games at all. Yeah, that's... Um, see, see to, I agree. To me, all the snaps and all the drives and all that meant something to me. But it meant the opposite of what everyone else wants to hear in New England. All you New England fans, I know you're done with Cam. I know you don't want to hear it. Here's 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 the reality. All that reps meant that I think that Bill knows that Cam, uh, that Cam Newton is the day one starter and he wants Mac to get the reps. One, because the starters just don't get that many like preseason reps because they're with the first team in practice all the time anyway. And second, Bill never wants to show his cards on what he wants to do on offense ever. Especially with a unique quarterback now with Cam, more time in the system, you might think it looks a little bit different. And yeah, that all made me think that Mac Jones is definitely the backup come week one. And I, I've, I've said that he should be. I no, don't, yeah. I don't yeah. like throwing rookie QBs to the Wolves like that. Um, no matter how good he's looked in training camp preseason, let him sit for a little bit. Let him still take in a real game situation. Let him watch how a veteran handles a two-minute drill in a real game and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I I like what I saw, mm. but like I, I don't think this changes much of anything. No, I don't think so either. And just to I want to I want to be clear 
Because just because you take the most snaps and reps doesn't mean that I automatically think you're the backup. There are other things that tied with it, like everything else. I'll tell you one thing. Justin Fields took a majority of the snaps for the Chicago Bears in their preseason game. He was like 14 to 20, 173 yards through a touchdown pass. He was amazing. He was I think really, he ran for one, too. He ran for one, too. He was really good. To me, all you have to do is look at the fan base, look who they brought in, and know that Justin Fields is actually playing, I think, for the day one job. You just have to pay attention to all the other stuff around it to come up with a clear picture of what's going on. To me, Justin Fields is playing for a starting job. So it doesn't mean that just because you take the most amount of snaps, I know that you're going to be a backup. It just seemed obvious to me with the history of what Belichick does in the preseason that it meant Mac's going to be the backup. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's actually, I feel like there's a couple other things worth talking about about that game also. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, uh, well, one, Nikhil Harry's name has been thrown around a lot in training camp. Uh, and people were wondering, like, well, like, what's he going to do in this game? Is he going to step up? Um, one catch for four yards. But like, it's only one, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but also... I think, his, I think his time is nearly done here. Mm, it's, that, that wasn't a good <laughs> first uh, preseason game, so we'll see. But also, I really liked, uh, it was their fourth round pick from Oklahoma, the running back, I think it was Ramonde Stevenson. I really liked watching him. Mm. I don't know how much role he'll get in this team with people like James White, Sonny Michelle, and Damien Harris. But I liked him. I liked watching him run the ball. Yeah. He had two touchdowns and had 127 yards. And one more thing I noticed, the kicker was not Nick Folk. Undrafted rookie. Was three for three from 35, 50, and 40 yards, all right down the middle. Good. I think we found a new kicker for people. <laughs> oh, boy. Hell yeah. Quinn Norton is his name. He looked mighty fine kicking that ball. <laughs> That's just right. the things I noticed that I wanted right. to add. So everyone slow down on Mac Jones, but let's all press the hype button on that kicker. <laughs> yes. He's the next uh, Stephen Guskowski. Oh, goodness. Actually, no. He was a really, like, perfect split the upright no matter the kick. All right. Where can I buy my jersey? I'm in. Yo, I'm I, all in I right now. I love a kicker jersey. <laughs> or, a, you want know a punter jersey. Give me a punter jersey. I'm all in. All right. From one uh, preseason and quarterback who played to another team in a preseason and a quarterback who didn't play, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. We them boys. The team that's on uh, Hard Knocks, which never spells anything for success, by the way, to be on Hard Knocks. And they chose to be on harm, uh, on Hard Knocks, which is even crazier. And now Dak Prescott has to get another MRI. He's the most expensive player in the NFL. We've talked about how we don't think Dak being back changes things for that division already. But I want to go further right now. How bad are things in Cowboy Land right now, Jesse? What do you think? Well, I mean, Dak Prescott did apparently get that uh, other MRI this weekend. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, the news broke with a very awkward and odd tweet from the Dallas Cowboys saying, the quote was, it's not a setback, it's not a reason to worry, but QB Dak Prescott is planning on getting another MRI. However, uh, the, the news from the MRI was uh, he's progressing as usual, and he's still expected to be the week one starter. Mm. So... No panic button with Dak Prescott right now, I feel. But, like, I still think they're going to suck. You think, yeah, I think they're going to suck. But I think think this is a bigger issue here with this team. Uh, Dallas, 
again, I didn't actually, I swear I did not mean for this to go this way. This has just seemed like what has just happened for the theme of the show. These teams where the brand is just so much bigger than the actual product and you make decisions based on keeping the brand relevant instead of winning games. And that's what Dallas is to me. This whole line is getting old. The defense is still, I mean, at least they drafted mostly defense last year. Because I mean, they needed it so badly. Even more than the line getting old, Jerry Jones is getting old, and that's—I feel like that's part of the reason he just doesn't—he hasn't kept up. No, the game has passed him by a bit. He doesn't understand the GM role. You just be an owner, man. Just make your money. But uh, Micah Parsons, at least their first-round draft pick, looks really good. But one linebacker does not fix an entire defense, and the defense was atrocious last year. This team is going to be way too reliant on Dak Prescott. A Dak Prescott now that is, you know, not fully healthy and is going to have to deal with an old line that is getting older and it's not going to be as good. And here's the, here's the other kicker. Got that linebacker, but that secondary was atrocious last year with their second pick. They took Kelvin Joseph corner out of Kentucky. Not saying there's not talent, but all you have to do is read for five seconds and you come up with some, some great character things that people have said about Kelvin Joseph. How focused is he to football? He's had immaturity and other issues off the field. He had a coach, this is before the draft, say he cares more about his rapping career than he does football. <laughs> so when you're trying to repair an entire defense, I mean, this just seems like just a, bunch, a whole bunch of more nonsense coming out of Dallas. And I think this is this is I think it's gonna get ugly real quickly. I kinda feel like this is what Dallas has just become. Yeah. We laugh at them. A little bit. They shoot themselves in the foot and we laugh again. Yeah. Maybe. It's just all over again. Just getting in their own way, unable to do things. And I, I really do think if that division wasn't just so awful <laughs> as it is, <laughs> Dallas would be one of the worst teams. Not one of the worst, but they'd be a bad season. I think this would be a six, seven win team if that division wasn't so awful. But luckily, the division is terrible. And the best team in the division, their quarterback is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I do think, I will say this. If Daniel Jones can cut down on the turnovers, the New York Giants might finish ahead of the Cowboys. Oh, I, I, ex- I expect them to. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't they, know. They I made... They made some, I mean, not big moves. I don't think they're going to be, like, a contender. But okay. they made some moves this off season. Hopefully, I mean, I don't, hopefully for them. I don't care. Uh, Daniel Jones takes that next step. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I see them finishing in front of this god-awful Cowboys team. All right. Cool. And, and by the way, you still have an absolute dinosaur at head coach. I mean, that's the other thing. Your head coach is still so out of date. And I don't love, I'm not the biggest Aaron Rodgers defender in the world. And I I certainly don't think that was always well taken. And by the way, Aaron should be thanking the Packers a little bit because at the end of the day, Aaron, you were able to get your boss fired. I think a lot of us wish we had that kind of power in an organization. But Mike McCarthy needed to be fired. And Mike McCarthy still doesn't look good with Dallas. No, but I don't know if anyone would look good with that roster. I think some people could do a little bit better. Maybe offensively. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, so that was that was our Cowboys talk. Moving to the next one, actually, we we play a little fair or foul segment. Before we do that, though, very quickly, we did a a complete roast job on the Cleveland Guardians last show, and now I want us to put our money where our mouth is a little bit and come up with uh, with some other names. And by the way, th- to me, this just adds to the ridiculousness of this and why we make fun of it. I'm not a marketing person. 
it doesn't take me a lot of research. I literally just had to go and Google and look up things Ohio are known for. Yo, that's all I did. Yeah. All Cleveland right. landmarks, baby. I didn't even do Cleveland. I did Ohio. You even went more analytical. I mean, you went, you zeroed in even more than I did. Ohio has like 25 astronauts. Most of the astronauts who've been in the space from the USA all come from Ohio. How about the aviators? They can't be the Astros because Houston. But the Wright brothers were born in Ohio also. I mean, the aviators, to me, it sounds better than the Guardians and at least makes sense with Ohio. So I think that's my top name. And then after that, I just did the Cannoneers because it's a cool name. It's different. And, you know, there have been plenty of battles fought in Ohio, so it can work for any history buff out there. You know, the French and Indian War out there in Ohio. There's a lot of battles back there. So, but to me, the aviators, I think it's a great one. You got, you got the Wright brothers over there, 25 different astronauts. Uh, I, I don't have names in front of me. I, I don't care that much about Ohio. I'm not going to go that deep. But. You seem to have taken this a little more seriously than I did. Because <laughs> uh, I have three. You oh, said, oh, okay. You said, you said to put three. I did. Uh, but my third one was just the spiders, because that's what they used to be. Okay. Well, I, you know what? My first one is the most serious. I'll start with the most serious one. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Ohio. It's closer to Cincinnati. So, like, this was kind of just like, uh, But I had the, the Cleveland Rockers. The Rockers? It's not good, but it's better than Guardians. It has to do with Ohio. That's better than, um, it's better than Guardians, still. All right, my second one. Did you know that the Christmas Story house is in Cleveland? I did not know that. I didn't. Uh, the Cleveland Red Riders. The Red Riders? Yeah, like a Red Rider BB gun. What? For Christmas. You've not seen the Christmas Story? No. What do you do on Christmas? <laughs> you don't watch the 24-hour Christmas Story on TBS? No. On Christmas? I do not. What do you mean? I don't. You shoot your eye out, kid. <laughs> yeah, Ralphie wants the whole. All right, the whole plot of the movie is Ralphie wants a Red Rider BB gun for Christmas. Everyone tells me you're gonna shoot. Everyone tells me you're gonna shoot your eye out. That's the whole. That's the whole movie. The entire uh, movie. I don't think that that's politically correct anymore. The Red Riders. That sounds kind of cool. <laughs> it does. But you're but also if, playing if, a couple miles from the Reds. But it, yeah, that's the other issue that you probably can't do that. Also, we're basing this team name off a Christmas story. Yeah. All right, what's the last one? Um, so, the current Indians, soon to be Guardians, they play at Progressive Field. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Do you not see where this is going? I feel like I The did. insurance company, the Cleveland <laughs> Flows. <laughs> uh, you didn't take this seriously at all. <laughs> hey, I didn't, I didn't put that one you told me to keep off it. No, I know, I know. All right. I, I, I think, uh, what was it? What was the first one? Again, the Rockers. I actually think that's better than Guardians. Still, I think Red Riders is better than Guardians Yo, too. I mean, you know what? I did it for a silly reason, but the Red Riders, I was like, that's a name. Yeah. The only problem is the Cincinnati Reds. You're right, but mm. all right. So you know what? Do better, Cleveland. You all tell me to do better. I'm like, I did three. No, no, do better. We're not marketing people. It's not our job. I took a marketing class. And again, it took me five seconds to go on and look up just things Ohio are known for (laughs) to come up with something better than that. Yeah, they get a lot of churches in Cleveland. We're not going to do that. I I thought about like the Saints because they had so many churches. Oh, wow. That's interesting. (laughs) The Catholics. (laughs) (laughs) We're the Cleveland Catholics, guys. All right. I can't. I can't with that stupid name, the Guardians. All right, moving on. Moving on. Let's 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 do our fair and foul segment here real quick before we get into the Darwin Award and, and wrap this up. Fair and foul, Jesse. Second time playing this segment. So first one. No one in the AFC is close to the Chiefs. Jesse, 
Take it away. Ugh. I looked this up last night. Like I looked up all the teams. I looked at all of them. I really wanted to just say a one, but fair. They fair. are. Fair? They are. Okay, but, but what? so what's the problem with anybody else that you looked up? I mean, the closest team last year was absolutely the Bills. Mm-hmm. And other than giving Josh Allen a big contract and signing some just little pieces here and there, you didn't take a real step forward. Okay. And, I mean, you're going to talk about the line, but other than that, the Chiefs did not take any step back. Okay. All right, I'm going to say foul, 100%. I'm, I'm I'm on the foul train with this one. To me, it's hard to pick one team that's close, but I can pick three teams that I think if I just looked up and down the roster, they should be close, and we'll see which ones rise to the top and which ones don't. And to me, it's the Buffalo Bills, obviously, the Cleveland Browns, and ah, you're going to laugh at this one. I laughed at that last one. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Because the Indianapolis Colts have the best old line in football. Ha. Huh. They got a great running game, great head coach. The defense is young, and, dude, the defense for the Colts was good last year. The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes has been running around quite a bit lately, been hit a little bit more. Maybe he had some injury problems last year. Could have it again. They had to retool their offensive line a little bit also. They lost plenty of pieces on that old line. They've had to reshape that, retool that. An offensive line play, it takes a long time to get gelled with everyone next to you. So I think 100%. This could be a fair statement. To me, the Cleveland Browns roster is one of the best rosters in the NFL. Two great running backs. You got uh, Landry and OBJ on the outside. I know OBJ can be a lot more flash than substance, but you have Landry there that gives you that consistent guy, you know, going to catch like 80, 80 catches a season, move the sticks. Another year with Baker Mayfield with this new offensive system. Quarterbacks in that second year usually do a lot better. I do think Baker, in some ways, is maybe one of the reasons I don't know if the Browns can quite get there. But the Browns played the Chiefs pretty well in that playoff game. They did. Um, Some Browns mistakes. Browns-ish mistakes cost them. Um, But that was their first time there in a while. Sure. And, like, but part of the, like, they also, the Chiefs lost Mahomes, which kept it. True. Close. True. And kept them from escaping. That's true. That is 100% true. And then the Buffalo Bills. To me, again, it just had this. This comes down to Josh Allen, and the fact that I like Sean McDermott. Um, the defense wasn't as special last year, but I think they can definitely work on some things. They got some young guys there that they can work on, and Josh Allen, uh, an ascending player, can probably just keep getting better and better. And the money hasn't really kicked in yet, so I think the Bills are right there. The playoff game was ugly, though. They did get trounced in that playoff game, but that's experience. Josh Allen really had never been there before either, so I think. Browns and Bills, roster-wise, they're pretty close to the Chiefs, and now they have a little bit more experience. I think the Chiefs have some teams that are close to them right now. I don't think they're head and shoulders above everybody else in the AFC anymore. All right, the next one. This will be Derek Carr's last year in Oakland. Fair. (laughs) Why? Yes, it will be. Um, Why? I think he's so overrated. Overrated. I think he's. He doesn't. I feel like people don't like him that much. I still think he's overrated. Oh my god. Well, what's the alternative? You uh, probably a draft. I think that I I think Oakland will be bad this year. Next next year is not going to be a good quarterback draft. And they will be. And I think Gruden will move on. I think he has been better with Gruden as his head coach statistically. Uh, But I. I mean, he's not. He's not that guy. He's just not that guy. 
I think foul, 100%. I think John Gruden would love to move on, but I think John Gruden is going to find himself in the same position that he seems like he's been in the last two seasons where there's not really a competent option. And I think Derek Carr gets too much hate. I think Derek Carr is a pretty good quarterback. I think he's lower end top 10, but I think he might be a top 10, top 12 quarterback in the league. I think John Gruden's not a great coach and it's not a well-constructed roster. The defense is really bad and I don't think they have a clear vision or plan for what they're trying to do. I think Derek Carr is one of the lone bright spots on that team. You know what? I'll agree that he is one of the lone bright spots on that team, but I think he's got the Kirk Cousins syndrome. Oh, come on. When the lights are bright, when the team is actually good, he is not. All right, we'll see. We'll see. He can, he can, can he's what does what Jared Goff does. He beats on the crap teams and he can't do anything against the good ones. But Jared Goff can lose a game. I don't think Carr really loses games. What? Not really. I think he might not always go out and win them. He's not a good two minute guy, I don't feel. All right. All right, I wonder how many guys in the NFL really are. But to me, I think he's a very good quarterback. I, think I mean, your I think best two-minute player needs to be your quarterback. I think he's capable of making a Super Bowl. You know what? If Jared Goff can, sure. Yeah, exactly. You just got to surround Not him. on this team, though. No, 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 no. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would, could make the Super Bowl on, on this Raiders team. You know who could? Who? Tom Brady? Yeah, he could. <laughs> if Tom changed things a little bit and got some of his own guys in. But you, you know Tom and John Gruden wouldn't get along. Now you come in and be like, Gruden, sit down. <laughs> I'm the coach now. I'm the captain now. <laughs> All right. You know what? We did have a third one, but we're not going to get to it. What? We're not going to do it. We can say fair or foul. Uh, no, uh, you can't just say fair or foul and not have a, not have an explanation. You, you want to do it? I mean, we can, like, two minutes. All right, not fine, even. Fine. Last one. Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Partly because I want to guess that player you think is better. Oh, okay. I say, actually, I'm going to go fair again. I know you are. He is. He yeah, had a, been fair on everything. Yes, because he had a tremendous final. He proved that you do not need these super teams. You need one man with a passion that people want to follow. That's what you need. That's why he's the fi- best. I almost swore there. Yeah. Best player in the NBA right now. And I think you're going to say Leonard, Kawhi Leonard. I am not going to say Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard is never healthy anymore. No, I'm going to say someone who I don't like personally yeah like I, I, his personality kind of annoys me but i think with lebron aging now i think kevin durant is the best player in the nba mm. i think he's the most talented i think he's almost unstoppable on the offensive side of the ball and i like what you said about Giannis and all that kind of stuff but i think the nets were about to beat them if the nets hadn't fallen apart and kevin durant really had to keep them going kevin durant has proved very valuable getting him you know writing Team USA by the way in the Olympics and getting them the gold medal when things weren't looking great for them did you say the Olympics yeah I did and that's your rant next week isn't it no that's the Darwin oh yeah that's right you're right spoilers yeah way to spoil it Um, but yeah I think Kevin Durant's the best player in the NBA I think he's unstoppable offensively Mm, okay okay (laughs) so you say that yeah, I so you, wait, you went foul, foul, foul. I went fair, fair, fair. Yeah, we did not plan that. No, you actually threw me for a loop because I thought you were going to say foul on on the uh, on the Chiefs one. I wanted to, but like when I was looking at it, I really just couldn't. I couldn't bring myself. You could, to just do couldn't it. bring yourself to do it. No. Oh my gosh. Because the question was you really, you really just an AFC team. So you really sprung that on me, Jesse. Man, my goodness. <laughs> What a great ho- co-host you are. It's shocking me like that. All right. That is it. That is it for Fair and Foul. We'll have more segments. Uh, we'll have more stuff on that. As I said, you know, some people, if you ever listen out there, you want to send us stuff to cover on that segment, let me know. 
And Jesse, I'm going to turn it over to you to do this week's Darwin Award. I'm going to do the Tommy update real quick. All right, do the Tommy update real quick. What did Tom Brady do this week? He played six snaps against the Bengals. He went one for two for nine yards. That's what Tom Brady did this week. They lost 19-14. Anyway, Darwin Award. Uh, Are we doing it? Drum roll, please. Yes, there it is. Drum roll, please. The award goes to uh, NBC Sports, technically, and the Olympics. Well, congratulations, NBC Sports. Hell yeah, you ruined it. <laughs> uh, why did we do this? Uh, because the Olympics was, I mean, a disaster this year in terms of viewership. <laughs> I got some numbers in front of me. So in the last couple, I'm just going to do the summer ones at first. So Beijing in 2008, for primetime viewership, an average of 27.7 million Americans tuned in on NBC. London 2012, 31.1 million on primetime. Rio de Janeiro, 25.8 million. Uh, heck, I'll even put in the last Winter Olympics, whose numbers drop significantly. People just like the Summer Olympics better than the Winter Olympics. But the last primetime average for the 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang was 19.8 million average viewership. Tokyo, average primetime viewership, 15.1 million people. Ooh. That's garbage for Olympics. That's a regular season football game viewership rating. <sighs> Not an event like this. Uh, the, yeah, I also have total viewership numbers. Beijing, 215 million. London, 20, 217. Rio, 198 million. Total viewership for TV, mm-hmm. uh, 150 million for Tokyo. Uh, and part of the reason we wanted to put them here is because... Uh, the streaming services they tried to put it on partly ruined them. I couldn't find the actual numbers. They will. No one ever releases streaming numbers and stuff like that. Partly because I think they're mostly crap. They mm. don't want people to know. Um, they said they streamed like five billion hours of content, whatever that means. But compared to what? I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know how to compare that. Um, yeah. And like, there, I saw a lot of articles complaining about like things were hard to find. Yes. You had to pay for certain things. Like Peacock. Peacock is free. That's NBC's streaming services. But if you want certain things, you'll have to pay for certain things. Why is your streaming service free in the first place? Just give me a fee. Yeah. Once you start making me go through all these extra hoops yeah. and stuff, I'm not going to do that to watch, you know, rock climbing or speed walking yeah. or water polo. But why did this happen? I have no idea. Why did this drop in viewership happen? Because streaming. Well, I mean, not just that. No, I mean, people didn't want to watch these people. They didn't want to watch the woke crowd. Oh, yeah. They didn't want to watch a political statement in their face. Yeah. They wanted to watch people swim and run and fence and play volleyball and soccer and all that stuff. Not to be guilted by these athletes. Yeah. Who are probably rich. I don't know if the Olympic people are all that rich. The, the, the more famous ones probably are. The more famous ones probably are. I think the weird thing that comes about being woke, though, on the Olympics is, like, you're sharing, you're sharing a stage with, like, China and Iran on some of these events. I feel like that's not the time to no. complain about the West. No. And it's also funny and laughable that you would can compare those problems to, like, human rights issues in some of the, these other countries that you face on the, on the Olympics, which is also it kind of makes it funny in a way. Oh, everyone's laughing at the Olympics right now. <laughs> yeah. So, Darwin Award, NBC Sports for your terrible viewership and handling of the Olympics, and I'm guessing to the Olympics themselves a little bit too for just what they decided to do with some of that stuff. Congratulations. 
You did it. You did it. That has been Slow Your Roll, guys. Once again, Dominic Lorenzato, Jesse Caulfield signing off. Have a good rest of your week, everybody. Thank you very much. And anyone who ever wants to get in touch with us, um, your Facebook, I don't think you have your Twitter handle really yet. I I keep meaning to look that up. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) Jesse. My own Twitter. Uh, And uh, for me, my Facebook and also at Traveling Guinea on Instagram. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good rest of your week.